Hello, and welcome to the On-Call Consults in Less Than 10 Minutes series on ENT in a Nutshell, a compliment to Headmere's online survival guide. I'm your host, Will Dattar, and today we are joined by Dr. Matt Carlson, a board-certified neurotologist. In this episode, we will cover perichondritis and auricular hematoma and abscess. Let's jump right in. Both auricular chondritis and auricular hematomas are usually seen following trauma to the auricle, such as with cartilage piercings, lacerations, contact sports, and occasionally bug bites. Signs include scaling, loss of natural folds of the pinna, erythema, fluctuant swelling, and weeping. Early treatment is necessary as fluid collections between cartilage and perichondrium can lead to cartilage ischemia and the resultant necrosis, and scarring leaving the patient with cauliflower deformity. Can you tell us about the differential diagnosis, Dr. Carlson? Certainly. So there's many conditions with overlapping features with uh, regular perichondritis, hematoma, and abscess. These include periauricular cellulitis, relapsing polychondritis, otitis externa, primary dermatologic conditions affecting the pinna, such as eczema and psoriasis, contact dermatitis, sunburn or thermal injury, frostbite, pressure ulcers, cutaneous malignancy, and tophaceous gout. And what are the risk factors or some of the predisposing uh, conditions? So generally, any condition that leads to uh, excessive trauma to the ears or repetitive trauma increases the risk of acquiring perichondritis, abscess, or hematoma. So wrestlers and rugby players are at highest risk. People who have had recent cartilage piercing, patients on blood thinners, and then people with autoimmune conditions, in particular, uh, relapsing polychondritis. And what history should we focus on for these patients? I want to ask about the timing and the chronicity, how long it's been present, any preceding trauma, even minor uh, trauma such as bug bites, participation in sports or recent use of a restrictive helmet or headgear, associated ear symptoms, including tinnitus, hearing loss, otorrhea, vertigo, ear history, including recurrent infections or any ear surgery. Then you want to ask for risk factors, including diabetes, being on blood thinners, any bleeding disorders, immunosuppression, immunocompromised status, uh, or you want to ask about patients who have a history suggestive of an autoimmune condition, such as relapsing polychondritis. And what key supplies do you recommend we bring when seeing these consults? So in general, your examination is going to be primarily focused on the external ear, but it is helpful to bring an otoscope to see how medial uh, the erythema extends. Typically, uh, this is an important feature, typically conditions that only are isolated to the cartilage of the pinna will spare the lobule and will not extend very medially in the ear canal. So conditions like relapsing polychondritis characteristically spare the, the fatty lobule and don't extend medially down the ear canal. Uh, you'll want to bring Fraser tip, uh, Fraser suctions and cerumen loops to clean out the ear canal. If you think you're going to need to perform an IND on a hematoma or auricular abscess, you want to bring a culture swab, local anesthetic for injection, 15 blade, saline flush, bolster dressing and sutures, a needle driver, and a sterile tray. Can you tell us about the physical exam for these patients? So we'll be largely looking at their external ear and surrounding tissue. We'll perform an otoscopic examination of the ear canal and middle ear. If they report any hearing loss, we can do a hearing assessment using a 512 hertz tuning fork to assess for sensor neural or conductive hearing loss. When we look at the external ear and the area of erythema or involvement, it, if you're concerned about a cellulitis, uh, you may be able to mark the margins of the redness with a pen to see if it changes. You can assess for upper neck and parotid swelling or lymphadenopathy. Again, as previously discussed, it's helpful to evaluate for sparing of the lobule. Cellulitis typically involves all of the pin, including the lobule. However, autoimmune conditions 
that are isolated to the cartilage will characteristically spare the fatty lobule and medial ear canal. You want to perform a cranial nerve exam with attention to the facial nerve, particularly given the overlapping presentation that might occur with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. And then you'll want to examine uh, the external nose for nasal deformity, as well as the septum for involvement of the septum, which may be suggestive of an autoimmune condition, including relapsing polychondritis. And what diagnostic workup do you order for these patients uh, just in the acute setting? So typically, no imaging is generally indicated unless there's concern for malignant otitis externa, mastoiditis, or foreign body, etc. And typically, cultures aren't obtained either unless uh, you have a, a severe infection or recurrent disease and immunosuppressed or immuno, uh, a patient who's not Im- fully immunocompetent. In the acute setting, labs are generally reserved for high-risk patients or those with atypical symptoms. And generally, the workup for a potential autoimmune etiology is typically performed electively in the outpatient setting. And can you tell us about the treatment, both medical therapy as well as surgical? Absolutely. So in the acute setting, fluoroquinolone antibiotic therapy is typically prescribed for treatment of perichondritis or after drainage of an auricular hematoma or abscess. Patients should be counseled about the associated risks of tendinopathy and arthropathy and should stop the antibiotic if they uh, develop joint pain or muscle pain. This should be particularly uh, approached with caution in young children or active adults where the risk of tendon rupture may be elevated. Oral steroids can be considered, particularly in cases where there's an underlying autoimmune etiology that's suspected. If the patient had a recent ear piercing that's suspected to be the cause for the infection or the development of the condition, you can consider removing the piercing if it's still present to aid in recovery. With regard to surgical treatment, Drainage of the fluid collection, if present, using needle aspiration or small stab incision with fluid or clot evacuation and flushing is advised. Consider bolster placement or quilting sutures to approximate perichondrium and cartilage and bolster with dental rolls or xeriform with proline sutures. And what disposition and follow-up do you recommend for this condition? So most patients are managed on on an outpatient basis unless they're immunocompromised or presenting with a more aggressive disease course. Generally, close follow-up within a week is needed to ensure there's no reaccumulation of drained fluid or progression of the underlying condition. Discuss return precautions with them, including worsening infection, abscess formation, hematoma reaccumulation, etc. If the patient's diabetic, tight glucose control is important. And then, of course, as previously alluded to, you'll counsel regarding the risks of fluoroquinolones and when to stop uh, taking a fluoroquinolone and the need to contact us for an alternate therapy. So that concludes our perichondritis and auricular hematoma and abscess uh, episode for on-call consults in less than 10 minutes. We appreciate you joining us and thank you, Dr. Carlson.